0: page one in your pew bible it's good to be with you this morning this morning we understand from the lord that he has another mandate for us we've been going over different parts of the creation mandate direction calling and this morning we cover verse 28 one of my favorite verses in all scripture, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. This is our parenting mandate. Now there's three problems coming right out of the gate here. Two kind of funny, one serious. One, why would they ask KT to talk about being fruitful and multiplying? (laughs) Who knows what's going to come out of his mouth? Am I I right? Secondly, he's not even the most qualified elder to be talking about being fruitful and multiplying. Right? Mike has almost twice as many children as I do. Seven. He should be up here, right? The third is the serious factor. When you just look at be fruitful and multiply, it's extremely easy to underestimate the significance of our calling in this area. Don't be fooled. This is exceptionally high on God's priority list. It's not a comfortable topic to talk about when we talk about our parenting, our grandparenting. It's not an easy topic to talk about. I'm overwhelmed many times with the failures of of previous uh, months and years, things that I've done as a parent that, oh, I just wish I could have that back. Or maybe I'm discouraged about the daunting task that uh, lies ahead with raising or training godly children. But the beauty is, is that God really has us here this morning going forward, doesn't he? And so while all of us have made mistakes, all of us have uh, taken paths that wouldn't be uh, our first choice or God's first choice, today is a fresh start. Today is an opportunity to move forward and to understand, hey, God has a higher calling for me as a parent and as a grandparent. Now, some of you aren't at that point. Hang in there. Lord willing, you if the Lord wills it, you'll get to this point. And I still remember some powerful messages from my teen years, long before I knew my beautiful wife, where God was helping to shape and helping me to understand uh, these concepts of parenting and what God expects and calls parents to. So not an easy topic, and it's a, a narrow window of opportunity topic. Any of you that have adult children know that, boy, things go by in a blink, don't they? And as I was talking to Christy about this, one of the things she said is just remind people that the time is short. The time is short. And those of you with little ones, once your kids get much older, you can talk to several in the room and they'll they'll attest, boy, it it goes quick. It's a blink of an eye. So one of the highest callings that God has for parents is shepherding and training their children. And yet the window is narrow. The time is short. It's interesting, even Hebrews 12.10, this isn't on your handout, but you could sure add this. Hebrews 12.10 says, for a few years, our earthly fathers discipline us. Isn't that interesting? Even the scriptures acknowledge that it's a short window. It's a short window. Let's not miss the opportunity for obedience and blessing that God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thankful Thankful that your word is is uh, very clear and very instructive. We're thankful that your word covers nearly every, if not every topic that we could possibly think on. I'll go with every topic, Lord. And we're grateful that this morning, uh, some of us in the midst of parenting, some of us in the grandparenting, some of us maybe be uh, looking ahead someday potentially to be parents. Lord, all of us can take instruction and guidance. All of us can rely on you for insight and knowledge this morning. And so we're thankful for that. We pray that our hearts would be open. We pray that our, our uh, understanding would be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we want a a very vivid reminder of why God's intention was for parenting to be far more than just filling the earth, we don't have to go very far. We can look at Genesis 6. Look there with me. I thought this was interesting. Genesis 6, if we underestimate the importance of parenting and we somehow just view our role as bringing kids into the world, making sure they're fed and clothed and that they get to the finish line, meaning they leave my house alive. If that were the only calling of parents, then we should not run into the problems in Genesis 6 that we encounter. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 6. Then the people began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them. Mission accomplished, right? Experts believe that by this time, by Genesis 6, there was anywhere from 2 billion people on the earth, maybe as many as 10 billion people on the earth. Check that box. The earth is full, right? And yet look at verse 5 for a very clear reminder that God had higher calling than simply filling the earth with people. Verse 5, Then the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, And he saw that everything that he thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But... Noah found favor with the Lord. We know that filling the earth with people that could fog a mirror was not God's intention. Because at the point of Genesis 6, he's done. I'm going to start over. And by God's grace, he spared eight people and two of each animal, some more. And he replenished the earth. But it was a do-over, my friends. The wickedness and the point that humanity was at was from a long and consistent failure of parents to raise godly children. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's understand that our calling is serious, it's high, it's lofty, it's wonderful. And so instead of just plugging along, let's look at Deuteronomy 6, and let's realize from Deuteronomy 6 that there are some extremely intentional steps that we can take, things that we can... Purpose in our heart to do better than even those that have gone before us. Now, I don't always break out an Old Testament verse. There's certain verses in the Old Testament I wouldn't break out as central passages, right? I'm not going to harass you about the clothes you're wearing, whether they're mixed with different fibers. Okay, there's verses about that, right? I'm not going to talk to you about what meats you can eat and what meats you can't eat. There's Old Testament verses about that. What makes Deuteronomy 6 different? What makes Deuteronomy 6 worthy of our understanding and obedience, Well, uh, not at the least of it, the Lord Jesus reiterates Deuteronomy 6. And we'll see that in Matthew 22, he says that the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He quotes Deuteronomy 6. The apostles will reaffirm or reiterate the message of Deuteronomy 6. In Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6, we're going to see that the apostle Paul puts an amen to these principles that Deuteronomy 6 lays out and reiterates these principles as those godly things that we can follow. So there's a, there's a principle here that we, we would love to let scripture interpret scripture. Does that make sense? And so when we hear in the New Testament, we hear Jesus and the apostles reiterating what is said in Deuteronomy 6. Oh, that's a slam dunk. Let's do it. Right. You could even look at times where they changed, where God made it clear that he no longer wanted principles of the Old Testament followed. Remember when Acts records that that Peter was told by God clearly don't count anything that I have created as unclean, rise and eat. And so we know from the New Testament that that the, the platform has changed in a sense. And now we don't have the same dietary restrictions. So a little hermeneutics for us, but we'd love to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And so understand that the reason we're so passionate about Deuteronomy 6 for today's discussion is because God, through His Son and through the Apostles and their writings in Holy Scripture has reiterated this message. So let's take a look. What does God have for us? Verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them, verse 7. Look at this one. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Clear instruction that's reiterated by Jesus and the apostles that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but understand the close connection in there with the children and with the grandchildren. Those of you that have a spouse, kids, even grandkids, you are not called to pursue loving the Lord your God on your own. This is not an individual sport. If you have a spouse and kids and even grandkids, it's your calling to join with them in pursuing this goal. And so this morning, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the priority of parenting. We're going to see the attentiveness that's required for godly parenting. And if we have time, we're going to get to the tactics of parenting. So we're going to get this down pat, P-A-T, the priority, the attentiveness, and the tactics. Priority is uh, very clear. What was the first thing that God said to Adam and Eve? The first command was be fruitful and multiply, govern the earth, right? And that's right in the context not only of, of watching out for the animals and the plants, but govern those wonderful children that uh, God blesses you with. It's first. It's listed number one. Now, more powerful than that for priority is Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 is uh, very powerful. Chapter 5 is going to talk about the uh, God-mirroring relationship between a husband and a wife, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5 is going to remind us that one of the key points of marriage is to point to the love that Jesus Christ has with, with the church. A wonderful aspect of a godly marriage is that it's a gospel message to those around. But just a few verses later, we get to Ephesians 6, and we see that the family has direct importance in God's calling. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, we read, 1, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Matthew 22, Matthew 22, Jesus makes it pretty clear what he thinks of that Deuteronomy passage. And remember that Deuteronomy passage is a a paragraph of thought, not just a a one-liner. What's the main point of Deuteronomy 6? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet weaved in that, what does that involve? That involves your children, your grandchildren, your family. It's connected. And so when my, when Jesus speaks authoritatively on uh, the most important commandment, listen to what he says. He, Matthew 22, we'll read those four verses starting in 36. Verse 36 says, teacher, he's asked, Jesus is asked, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And don't think for a minute that this is an individual command. This is Jesus, this is God saying that a family loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the pivotal calling of the human. And each of you has a role in that, right? Some of you are, I won't call you children, we'll call you young people. What's your role in this loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Obey your parents in the Lord. Parents, what's your role? Exemplify loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and be passionate about your children trained up to do that same. Grandparents, what's your role based on Deuteronomy 6, verse 1? Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 says it's the same. Your grandchildren need to come along in this most important calling of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are in this together. We are in this together. And so the first instruction is clear. Ephesians is very clear that the reputation of Christ himself, the message of Christ himself in the gospel is closely tied to marriages and families and how they operate. Jesus himself says, this is high. This is number one. Love the Lord your God. And then finally, we have various statements of priority Statements of priority. I'm asked all the time, where do we put different things as far as priority in our life, right? Well, I would say to you that I believe God's highest calling, 1A, is your marriage. And 1B, is your parenting. I firmly believe that every other thing that God has called you to do, for instance, be a, a active part of this church family, should be done as a family, as a marriage and as parenting. I believe that your job, your career, you're glorifying the Lord when you take up and work like we heard about that does that's done in service and in subservence what subservience is that the right word underneath we'll call it. Your ministry as a husband, wife, parent. I firmly believe that God's highest calling for you is your marriage and your parenting. And I think we need to respect this mandate that God gives in light of that. More to say on that. Let me give you a couple quick verses on that. Where does the church come in line with this? Well, like I say, the church is, is about a body of believers coming together, multiple individuals and families throughout coming together, right? That's not separate from your family. I'm to bring my wife and kids into this wonderful church family. And our interaction as a family should be edified, built up, made better by the church relationship. But it was interesting. I, I was blessed to do the ceremony for Ed and Megan when they got married, and I repeated some verses and, and shared a line that I was taught 25 years ago: that the first institution is not the school, it's not the church, it's the home. It's the home. I repeat that because my father shared that at Christine and I's wedding 25 years ago. It's the truth. If the family is in line with pursuing the godly marriage and the godly raise, the training of the children, then the church can come along and complement it beautifully. The school should come along and complement it beautifully. But if we don't get the marriage and parenting right, we miss out, don't we? We put the cart before the horse. And so it's a powerful priority this morning. Now, what was I sharing? First Timothy, verse 3. This is a clear reminder to me that, boy, an individual's family is critical with their involvement in the church. This is talking about the church leaders, the church leaders. And verse 4 says the church leader must manage his own family well. Having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? There's an emphasis there. There's a priority there. Matthew 19, Matthew 19, look at that with me. Couple verses in here. You remember this. Where did Jesus put emphasis on children verse 13 one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them boy these parents are doing the right thing they're bringing their kids to the ultimate authority to the wonderful teacher so that their parenting would be improved or that that their kids would be blessed but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Oh, we've never seen that, right? We've never seen an institution or a or a ministry diminish the importance of the kids, have we? That happens so much. It happens often. And so thankfully, Jesus steps in, verse 14. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Jesus made a point to prioritize the ministry and the training and the blessing of children. Finally, 3 John 1, 4, even the the apostles as they would teach, so many times they would refer, uh, Paul calls Timothy, who, what? His son in the faith, right? And 3 John 1, verse 4 says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Now, were all these people biologically? No. No. The method of the family, godly marriages, godly parenting, the apostles will use that as a pattern, then, okay, we extend that, we we go further and we include shepherding one another, but the pattern is the pattern of the family. So important. Now, why am I taking so many minutes of our valuable time to just give you this? Because we have underestimated the priority of the family. The world, the flesh, and the devil is actively diminishing the importance that you have as a spouse and as a parent and as a grandparent. We have to stand up and say no more. We are going to prioritize the godly marriages, and the training of our children. If we don't, the world, the flesh, and the devil are more than happy to shape and influence our young people. And we will hate the result that comes from it. It's been said I've never heard a a man on his deathbed say, man, I wish I would have worked harder and spent less time with my kids. Let's not look back and regret where we came from January of 2023 going forward. Let's purpose to prioritize this extremely high calling of parenting and grandparenting. Now, thankfully, Deuteronomy 6 continues on. We get to the attentiveness part, the attentiveness part. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting, but Deuteronomy 6 makes it very clear that parents are to be exceptionally involved in their children's lives. Should we take a peek? Exceptionally involved in their, parent, in their children's lives. Verse 6. Right after, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Follow all these commands. Verse 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. When you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them on your hands, put them on your forehead. Why? So that your kids will see them. Put them on the doorposts of the house so that it's clear to the family on a regular basis that we will serve the Lord. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you sense the attentiveness here? Parenting is not a passive role. We want our kids to be, to learn to be independent. But I would challenge us that I'm concerned that with the good desire to want our kids to be independent, we've been too lax in the attentiveness of parenting and influencing our kids. We don't spend enough time influencing, shepherding, training our kids. And I think Deuteronomy 6 sets a pattern. This is not wind them up and let them go out on their own right out of the gate, is it? This is continual interaction, continual closeness, continual involvement. We need to be more attentive. So what's getting in the way? What's giving in the way? Well, let's look at some pragmatic approach to this, right? How much time do our young people have in a given day? Well, hopefully they're getting eight hours of sleep. That's been shown by many doctors how important it is to make sure our kids and us are getting at least eight hours of sleep, right? So that leaves 16 hours. Think about those 16 hours for a minute. How many of those 16 hours are you as a parent directly interacting with your kids? Deuteronomy 6 would call us to a high number of those Deuteronomy 6 says well you're with your kids at home you're with your kids out on the road you're with your kids when they go to bed you're with your kids when they get up you're with the kids enough to see the word of god tied on your hands and on your forehead you're you're home with your kids enough to where they're walking through the door and they see the word of god see the picture This culture of independence, I believe, is doing harm to our influencing and training of our children. Where I've seen this the most, and we'll get to Ephesians 6 in just a minute, where I've seen this the most lacking is in us as fathers. I've heard too many Christians, Christians that we would respect, say, well, you know what? Kids are pretty much my wife's department. Or, you know what? You take care of them, honey, until they get interesting at about 13, and then I'll step in, right? Or a guy's got to work, right? I brought this to my friend Tim and said, well, how do you balance working with spending ample time? He had a challenge I really didn't like. He said, KT, how many of your hours of work are providing for the needs of your family? And how many hours of work are providing for the comforts and the wants of your family? I realized pretty quick that it doesn't go too long into my work week where the wants or the needs rather are covered and the extra hours and hours and hours that I'm working and away from my family potentially. It's just the frivolous stuff. It's just the fluff. And so dads, sometimes moms, we can hide behind this. Oh, I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Are we missing out on our calling to influence our kiddos in an attentive way? Time. There's no substitute for time. In my 28 years of youth ministry, in my 25 years of marriage, in my 20 years of parenting, I've learned that there's no substitute for time when I desire to build influence. We have to put in the time with our kids. And I would suggest to you that my own actions are limiting the amount of interaction and time. And I'd suggest to you that our culture is stealing time away from you and your kids. Next question. Where are your kids getting their schooling? How long is schooling? Seven hours a day? Who's influencing those kids for that seven hours? We've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that the influences for the majority of 180 days of their year are consistent with the influence that we desire before the Lord to have with them the other time. We homeschooled for many years because I just I wanted to be the guy, the couple for influencing the kids. So we were with them kind of 24-7. We learned maybe five, six years ago that if, that if I'm involved, I can work hard enough to where if there's an institution that will continue the worldview that I believe is essential, that if Christy and I can feel comfortable that the message that they're hearing day to day, minute to minute at school is supporting what we're called to do as a family, okay, then I can, then I can trust some others. We do that Sunday mornings. Many of your kids are downstairs at Sunday school. Excellent. We're trusting others, right? But don't think for a minute that I hand off and that I'm done with influence. I need to be involved. I need to be very, very involved in my kids' education. And I need to make sure that whatever legitimate option for education you choose, that the worldview and the influences, minute by minute, are supporting how God would call you to be a godly family. See where we're going with this? And many of us have circumstances in our lives that make that tough. But let's talk. Let's pray through that together. Let's figure out together. Because when you've got 16 hours and 7 to 8 of those hours, 180 days a year for 12, 13 years, someone else is influencing your kids, I need to make sure that that influence is along the lines of God's calling and worldview. How much is social media influencing your kids? How much time do your kids spend on their phones? Do you know? I was a little shocked when I looked at my own phone, frankly. Ooh, that's ugly. Did you know there's a wonderful app? Kids will hate it. It's called Screen Time. And you can click on it, and you can see exactly how much time you've spent on your phone. Now, Mike, your flip phone, brother, this doesn't have that feature. (laughs) Sorry, but my friend Mike's one of the best for staying off social media, staying off texting. Am I right, Janice? He's an all-star. Flip phone. Call him if you want to talk to Mike. Don't text him. Right, brother? That's right. But we can see exactly how much time I've spent on this, and it's ugly. And I promise you that you will be surprised when you look, not if, but when you look at your teen's screen time. You know what the average is? Well, I'll tell it this way. I had a meeting with a college student. We were, it was one of Megan's old friends. She doesn't go to Mace anymore. And we're at Megan's birthday party, and they're talking away. And she's like, yeah, I'm doing really well. I've got my phone time down to seven hours a day. She wasn't kidding. She was proud of that. Who's influencing our kids? I love my kids to have other good influencing friends, too. How much time are your kids being influenced by their friends it is my responsibility to train these children for godliness a responsibility that I'll get to the end and I haven't heard a parent yet say oh I wish I would have spent less time training my kids to be godly let's not miss this our kids are alone far too much they're filling the time with others influencing them social media influencing them other friends influencing them Many of us who would be called connected parents, by the way, that's one step short of helicopter parent, right, in terminology, many times we're ridiculed or laughed at, but I'm, I'm telling you why I do it. I will not miss my calling to train godly children. I've got tons of failures. Don't talk to my four kids. They've got all kinds of stories of my failures. But I will not Miss the opportunity. Join me in that. We need more family time. We need more connectivity. We need more accountability with how our kids use their social media. Attentiveness. Now let's go to Ephesians 6, verse 1. Because fathers, I I kind of raked you over the coals a little. But next week we're going to understand so much deeper. My brother Joel is very sick. Please pray for him. So we needed to switch. He was going to start by showing the priority of the the marriage and the, the godly image-bearing that uh, husband and wife do in their marriage and the headship of the home. And that was going to pave the, the way nicely for this message. Nonetheless, we've switched them and we'll survive. So understand that there's going to be a lot of background to what I'm about to say next week. But when we get to verse 4 of Ephesians 6, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Two reasons for this. You heard the first reason, I think, that if there's a husband and a wife, nine out of ten times, the one that needs the kick in the pants to be more prioritizing and more attentive to the kids is the dad. But two, the father is accountable to God. For that family. You'll learn the details next week. This is not saying mothers are not just as important. This is saying that mothers and fathers are together as a team, as a marriage, and the father stands to give account to the Lord Jesus for how that household was was carried through. So mothers hear it. You're in there. You're closely tied Fathers, you're accountable along with your wives with you. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So let's talk about this with attentiveness just for a minute. How can we use these verses, the discipline or the nurturing? Some of your translations say nurturing, right? It takes time and effort to nurture. And I believe it starts when your young one is in the womb. And I believe it carries on from when they're born all throughout their life. And I believe the more opportunities that you take to nurture, the better opportunity we have for training godly children. Now there's an order here. There's nurturing and there's admonition. Admonition is warning. Oftentimes correction, right? What did he list first? Nurture. Positivity. Encouragement. Mark Preston challenges us that there's a ratio for every one hard thing that we have to challenge someone with, there needs to be ten other positive, loving, encouraging things that we have already shared with them. Why? Because the love tank has to be full. The influence needs to be full so that when I have to warn or con- confront or challenge It's on the basis of a loving, close, influenced relationship from encouragement and nurture and love. We see this in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 lists the purposes of the Bible itself. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Encouragement, teaching, uplifting, nurturing, followed by admonition. Maybe a tactic, right? Maybe in my parenting, I surveyed many many of you and many of you shared, you know what? Number one is example. Number one's example. If I'm not consistently living out, loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's an uphill battle to motivate my kids. This generation especially is very in tune with inauthicity. They know what is fake. So example, got to be on my A-game spiritually, got to be loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. My kids know when I love them, when I'm pouring into them. They know why I do this and why I do that. My positivity, my encouragement. Christie's challenged our family to steer our ship with positivity this year. Fabulous. Because positivity is God's plan for nurturing as a start. Then when needed, consistently the correction. But if I haven't filled the love tank, it's going to be hard going when I have to step in and correct Zephaniah 3.17, we don't have time, but look that up. It's beautiful. we got to read it. Okay, you have it there? Yeah. Read it, please. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful song. Excellent. In Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three, the Master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I would survey very few kids in this world feel like their parents are rejoicing with them, celebrating with them, just so pleased with them, so excited about the choices they're making. Our default as kid as parents is no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Don't get me wrong, we need that. But are we filling that tank first with nurture, with encouragement? Fathers, lead in positivity. Lead in nurturing. Mothers, join in with positivity towards your husband and towards your kids. Build this nurturing and this wonderful positivity so that when the tough stuff comes, you're ready. You're ready. Admonition follows with the influence built through positivity. And Mark, I think, really wisely would suggest a 10 to 1 ratio. Now, that doesn't mean that I skip it when I have to correct because I haven't got my 10 in. What does that mean? Bust my tail to get those 10 in today so that when I have to correct tomorrow morning, the tank's full. See the order there? And so finally we get to tactics, and as anticipated, we're short on time. So the exciting news for you is that April 15th from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., Great Adventure is hosting a, a parent training session right here. There's going to be refreshments. There's going to be good discussion. So please put April 15th down on your Booklet on your calendar and make sure that you're here for us to continue these practical training of how we can be godly parents. But I'll leave you with three quick ones. We're gonna go MSG. I know about MSG at an early age. My wonderful mother had an allergic reaction to MSG at a Chinese restaurant. So every other time we went to a Chinese restaurant, how would she order, Dad? Hey, sir, no MSG. She didn't say it like that. Like. <laughs> Uh, Without MSG, please. Without MSG, please. And we were so excited when we found out that Hustle China doesn't use MSG. Remember that, Mom? That was wonderful. (laughs) MSG, monosodium glutamate. But, But for today, MSG is major on the major, strength, and guard. Major on the major, be strong, and guard. Are you ready? Major on the major. If a standard is not laid out in Scripture, why are we holding our kids to it? Show me where the Bible says my room has to be clean. (laughs) I'm open to learning. (laughs) We minor, we major on minors all the time. I'll never forget reading a wonderful book called uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And he said, what if your daughter wants to sleep sideways on their bed? Oh, that's, uh, I got a problem with that. He said, why? Why? Let's major on the majors. There's so much attention that we can give to the major principles that God has laid out in scripture. Secondly, strength. Gut check time. We're lazy as parents. We're wimpy as parents. Our kids have us right where they want us. They know that if I argue, the kids argue long enough, protest enough, okay, I'm gonna fold. No more. No more. We need to be strong in our parenting. Do we believe that God's standards are the best for our kids? Then do we love our kids enough to stand firm on those principles? And I would start with a challenge. Today, parents, I'm going to challenge you to go into your child's phone and set a screen time limit. Oh, snap. There's going to be some violence today. Do we love our kids enough to take a stand for protecting them against wasted time, excessive time? I'll give you my... Our kids are, are one hour. The phone shuts off in one hour and I know the code and nobody else and I'm stubborn. Ain't nobody getting the code from me. I'm meeting with a family today. And I get to help them set up the code and the screen time. You set the time, one hour, is it an hour and a half? Is it two hours? Talk about it. But I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to get your guidance as to whether you think that screen time is going to be essential or whether it can wait. I'm going to share with you that I think it's only wise to do that. But you're going to have to stand strong. I'll teach you a little phrase that uh, I think, maybe, I don't know who taught me, probably my father, mother. Our kids love to ask why, right? That's good. But we have a rule in our house that you obey first, and then we'll talk about why. And that's helped with standing strong. One of my kids in particular is a genius arguer and debater. What's his name? Oh, I, oh, Dad. <laughs> Aaron, you obey first and then we'll talk about the why and I get into it with him I'm a debater too and so I find myself and Christy will say, KT oh yeah, yeah, yeah Aaron, obey first we'll talk why (laughs) later is it worth it? that little one year old That little five-year-old, that little seven-year-old loves to throw temper tantrums. They're born that way, by the way. It's hardwired into their fallen nature. Do I love them enough to stand strong and say no? No. I read an article by a pastor I really respect a lot. He said, we are setting our kids up for tragedy. And he told a story about how there was a young man, and he had a toy gun. The police yelled at him. Put it down, put it down, and he didn't get around to obeying, pointed it at him, tragedy. Now who's at fault? Not for me to say, but the point is, is that this, this, this pastor was saying we are setting our kids up for tragedy by letting them disobey, disobey, disobey. Okay, finally I'll do it. Our first challenge needs to be met with obedience, and if it doesn't, I need to be strong to take a stand. Will we love our kids enough to do that? I think we will. And finally, guard. Proverbs 4.23, I love it. Look it up on your own. The, The power, importance of guarding our hearts, guarding our eyes, right? Will we love our families enough to guard our children? Guard what they're looking at and for how long. Guard who they're spending time with and for how long. Guard whether or not they're allowed to put up with arguing, disputing, complaining, negativity. We major on the major, we stand strong, and we stand guard tenaciously with no compromise. And I think that that would be three tactics that would help us to prioritize and attentively shepherd our kiddos so that they're trained in godliness. Father, Nothing easy about what we're covering here, but you are a wonderful, powerful God. Your Spirit is eager to work in my hearts, in the hearts of my brothers and sisters, to take this high calling of parenting and grandparenting and to show the priority that it needs to be and to give the attentiveness that it deserves and to even learn the tactics so that we can have successful training of these wonderful treasures. We love you in Jesus' name.